Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
very, very special message today. And so we're under incredible warfare. Uh, so please pardon us as we have a lot, a lot, a whole bunch of technical difficulties. Now we have a lot of different uh, uh, programs running to where if, uh, if we get disconnected on Mixler, you can go over to talkshoe.com and the website, the link to the direct link to the broadcast on TalkShoe uh, is on the ministry website at isolatelightministries.com slash services .html. I saw the light ministries.com slash services.html will give you the direct link to the talk shoe broadcast, which is talkshoe.com slash tc slash 14366. Or you can search talk shoe for I saw the light ministries or search talk shoe for um, sign is. Sign in on this one. I don't know to sign in on this one. I'm to sign in on this one. I don't ever have to sign in on this one. There's not one thing that's another. Over and over and over. I think I found it. Yeah, I'm signed in on that one. Always something. <sighs> give that time to load right there. And there's also phone numbers for TalkShoe as well. Appreciate your prayers as we undergo a lot of technical difficulties, intense spiritual warfare, because this is a very important message today. Very important message. Okay, while we're waiting for other computer programs to load up, let's try this. Page number, uh, well, I know I can't get there from where I'm at right now, so we're going to have to go over here. Right. Page number two in our traditional worship music songbook. I need thee every hour. Temptation, 
Your hand of judgment is righteous and loving and true. Praise your holy name. This service is yours, Father. This message is yours. This message is true. We pray that it will penetrate the darkest heart and the darkest minds. For the blood of Jesus and the power of the resurrection, the Holy Ghost, be present in this message and in this room and in this ministry. In every place that this message goes, the darkness be penetrated and the darkness flee. In the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Let's turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is very well known, one of the most popular songs of the Bible. And about to get a backup recording going as well. For the people listening for the first time, we're reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible, a restoration of the original scriptures. And as we go to through today's message, you're going to see another proof beyond all the other proof we've already presented to you. Another proof while the why the Alpha and Omega Bible is truly more accurate. That wasn't my purpose today in this message, but nevertheless, it will serve that purpose as well. Absolutely. Praise God. In Psalm 91, please bear with me as we go through these scriptures today, because this is going to be a surprise to many of you and a wake-up call. Praise God. Bear with me. As I said, we're reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. So the wording is different from other Bibles, from traditional Bibles. Different. And some and in some places you're going to see as you keep reading the Alpha and Omega Bible and keep reading the Alpha and Omega Bible, you're going to see in some places, uh, even much more differences, much different wording in the Alpha and Omega Bible compared to the traditional uh, Bibles, much different wording. And sometimes you may wonder, why is it so extremely different in some of the verses and chapters? And today we're going to show you a little bit of why that is. In Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He that dwells or resides in the help of the highest. Now we know that King James says, in the most high. The most high and the highest, same thing, just a different way of saying it. But if you dwell in the help of the Most High or in the highest, shall spend the night under the shelter of 
the Theos, the God of heaven. Where it says shelter, all the other Bibles say the shadow, the shadow of God. And today we're going to talk about the shadow of God. Now, Psalm 91, we use very commonly to encourage us in times of sickness, in times of persecution, in times of uh, different extreme trials and tribulations that we go through in life. This is one of the most common verses, chapters that is, that gives us peace, peace of mind and strength in those difficult, most difficult times. So we come to this and we're surprised by a much different wording. But why is it? And is it wrong or is it right? Because of the much different wording. Of course, it's very difficult for people to embrace learning something new, learning something and diverting or changing from what they have always known. It's very difficult for a lot of people to change or to change your thinking or to change from one thing to another. Very difficult for a lot of people. But we need to examine the oldest Bibles, the oldest Bible manuscripts, and what did it really truly originally say compared to the corruptions that did enter into the Bible in different centuries. We know for a fact that corruptions did enter into the Bible on multiple occasions. For example, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, the King James Version says Easter, but it's the only translation for the most part, one of the very few translations that actually have the word Easter in the book of Acts, because the Greek word that Luke actually wrote there was the word Passover. And there's, there really should be no debate to that at all, even though a lot of traditional Christians try to say that Passover and Easter is the same word. That's very foolish talk. Very, 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 very foolish talk. It's not the same word at all. It's not the same day. It doesn't have the same meaning. It's completely different 100%. It's absolutely uh, ridiculous to try to say that they are the same thing. But most uh, other Bible translations will correctly translate it as Passover because it's so obvious that it should be translated as Passover. So very clearly the King James stands almost alone in that particular corruption of that particular verse. But then you look at many other verses where Luke 14, verse 26, almost every Bible says that you should hate everyone, that you should hate your parents and brothers and sisters and everybody in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that, that doesn't match with the Ten Commandments. That doesn't match with the spiritual principle of the law of love. Uh, it doesn't match. It's a absolutely a corruption in almost every Bible that exists that you must hate everyone. 
in Luke 14, 26. And we could go on and on and on and on. There's lots of corruptions. Hebrews 4, verse 9, where they purposely changed the word Sabbath keeping over to the word rest. Uh, and that's the only time they did that in that chapter. Uh, and they did that deliberately to hide the reality that the New Testament says that you still must keep the Sabbath. They deliberately hid that. And there's no doubt to that because you can't mistranslate that word unless you do it on purpose. They're a deliberate thing, deliberate corruption of the Bible message. Uh, uh, more than just King James it does that so again what did the original Bibles say or the oldest that we have access to here in Psalm 91 let's just look at some other verses before I actually really explain it okay but we know that it's a shelter here in the Alpha Omega Bible rather than shadow then look at another very popular song that is used for encouragement and strength in Psalm 121. Page 75, if you have the paperbacks of the Alpha and Omega Bible, Psalm 121, verse 5, Jesus shall keep you. Jesus is your shelter upon your right hand. All the other Bibles use the word shadow upon your right hand. Jesus is your shadow, or that you rest under the shadow of his hand. Both Psalm 91 and Psalm 121, both very popular common songs that people memorize and quote and use on a daily basis. And in both cases, instead of saying shadow, the Alpha and Omega Bible says shelter. Which is more accurate? And what's the difference? And why is this important? A shadow is a form of darkness. It is a shade. But in the context, it would be a good darkness. It would be a good shade. It would be a shade of comfort. A shade from the, the fiery heat of the bright sunshine, the, 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 the trials and tribulations. So it would be in a good context, but it still doesn't use the word shadow in the Alpha and Omega Bible. Why is this? Let's turn over to the book of 1 John, right before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 1. Page 267. 1 John, chapter 1. 1 John, chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you, that Theos, God, is light, and in him there is no darkness, at all, none, zero, zero, amen? Verse six, and if we say that we have communion with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have communion with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. God is light. Jesus said he is the light of the world. John said he is the light of the world. We have verses over and over and over telling us that God is light, that God is fire, that God is consuming fire, that God is light, so forth, that he's the light of the world. Many different verses that tell us this. So does light cast a shadow? Absolutely not. Light makes the shadows flee away. Or light causes a shadow whenever the light is shining on like a tree, an object, a person. That light has to put something and then that something casts a shadow. It's not the light itself that casts a shadow, right? It is the light shining on your body as you're standing in the sunshine, and it is you that casts the shadow. It is your shadow. The shadow is not the shadow of the light. It's impossible for light to cast a shadow of itself. You have to have a you have to have a hindering object standing in the light for the hindering object itself to have its own shadow. Light itself and fire does not have its own shadow. It's not logical. And because God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, he does not have a shadow. God does not have a shadow. So it's very interesting that the Alpha and Omega Bible in Psalm 91 and Psalm 121 does not declare that God has a shadow, not even his hand. His hand does not even cast a shadow because his hand is bright and brilliant Amen. He does not have his own shadow. Then also think of the size of God. Amen. God is not a six-foot-tall being like we are. We might be five-foot-three, five-foot-four, six-foot, five-foot-eleven. We have a shadow because we're small. But God fills the entire universe. There's not one inch of the universe where God does not exist. He's inside the trees and the rocks and the mountains and the ground. The Bible says even in the graves you cannot hide from him. He is there. Amen. And it's true that if you split a rock in two, he'll be inside that rock. Amen. That is true. He's inside the moon. He's inside Jupiter and Saturn and even Pluto and all the different solar systems and galaxies throughout the universe, even that very edge of the universe. He's inside the black hole. He's inside the sun. He's everywhere. You cannot escape from the presence of God. And because he fills the entire universe, he cannot cast a shadow. There is no darkness in him at all.
Amen. And James testifies to that over just a few pages to the left, just about five pages or so to the left here. James chapter 1, page 256. James 1, verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Right there, he even tells you he don't even have a shadow. He's the Father of lights. He is the Alpha light. Amen? He's the Alpha light. There is no variation or shadow with God. He does not have a shadow, not even his hand. Amen. His hand does not have a shadow. But we know that the Bible does use symbolism. But even in the symbolism of a shadow, the Greek Septuagint, which the Alpha and Omega Bible is based upon primarily, does not even allow for even the symbolism of a shadow of God. That's pretty mind-blowing. Very clearly, the translators of the great Septuagint recognized God as being a brilliant light, as being the father of lights in which there is no shadow or darkness at all, period. Very clearly, the translators of the Greek Septuagint, the agent Bible that Jesus and the apostles did absolutely use and quote it from, those translators had a very special and high level of reverence for God. Could not even allow even the symbolism of a shadow of God. That's reverence for God. Amen? That's why it's very important to use those older manuscripts, the Greek Septuagint, being much, much, much uh, older, extremely much older, a thousand years older than the Masoretic manuscripts. Most people believe that the King James Version and other Bibles were translated out of manuscripts from the 1st century A.D. or the 2nd or 3rd or 4th century A.D. But that's not accurate. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. They were not based upon those manuscripts. But rather, the majority of all Bibles the majority of all different Bible translations are based primarily upon the Leningrad Codex, which is from the year around 1000 AD, a thousand years basically after Christ. That new. In, in the context of human history, that's relatively new. Amen a recent manuscript, not an old agent manuscript in the context of 
6,000 plus years of humanity. That's what it's based upon. That's a Masoretic text. That's the number one Masoretic text, the largest Masoretic text. And the Masoretic texts were translated from Jews that was a, a very heavily involved in uh, witchcraft and uh, Freemasonry, uh, demonic activities, and corrupted the Bible, added a lot, took away a lot, changed a lot, reworded a lot. They really brought a lot of corruption into the Bible from the time of 1000 AD through the 1200s AD into the 1500s and 1600s AD. But there was always there was already some corruptions entering in in the second and third century AD as well from the Catholic Church. You had some corruptions coming from the Catholic Church as early as uh, maybe as early as 300 AD, and then more corruptions coming in over the next 50 and 100 years after that, and then more corruptions in 100 AD through the 1600 AD. So forth. So you had multiple, and then even before that as well, way before that as well. The Great Institutism goes back to uh, the first, second, and third centuries, or maybe just the first century, uh, sometimes I can't think correctly, BC. But we're going back to the BC years when you talk about the Great Institutism. That's what you want. As far as the Old Testament, you go back to the BC years, right? And then, as far as the New Testament, uh, we can say that the Codex Vaticanus is a uh, Greek Satyrgic uh, manuscript in one as in one sense, in another sense, you don't really say that. You really use the term Greek Satyrgic really just for the Old Testament. But we can say that the Greek Septuagint is an Alexandria text Bible, and that the Codex Vaticanus of the New Testament, from around 300 AD, 350 AD, 325 AD, that that also is an Alexandria family text Bible, both being Greek, and that's what we want—the oldest manuscript. It's very clear that God does not have a shadow. So it's very edifying and enlightening that the Greek Satyrgent does not allow even for the symbolism of God having a shadow. Now, considering this, let's go over here to the book of Matthew 17. Matthew 17. And we're going to make some corrections here. So I hope that you have an ink pen available to you as we go through the Alpha and Omega Bible and learn some other things and make some corrections to make the Alpha and Omega Bible even more accurate than any other Bible. This is going to be pretty special right here, what we want to do. 
Matthew 17. And let's just start in verse 1. Matthew 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was changed in appearance before them. And his face shone like the sun. That's very interesting because he is light. God is light. And God uh, and the Bible says that he is a Christian fire. So here, here his face is shining like the sun, very bright. And his garments became as white as light. So his entire body became very brilliant. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. If you won't, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud, I want you to underline the word bright. This is not a normal cloud. This is a bright, brilliant, shining cloud, a cloud that is emitting light. Amen? This is not your normal cloud. This is not a dark cloud. This is not a cloud that's going to bring rain. This is not a cloud that casts uh, its own shadow. No. Amen? Because this light is emitting, I mean, this cloud is emitting light rather than blocking light. It's a reverse cloud. It's reverse osmosis. Reverse osmosis. Amen? It is doing the opposite of what a cloud normally would do. Amen? So when it says overshadowed them, now we know that overshadowed, we, we have different people listening to our sermon from different languages that have, some of them have trouble with some of the English words. And even though the word shadow is part of this word, it doesn't really mean that it casts a shadow, but rather it means to float over to flow over them in the normal sense of the word. However, the Greek word here can mean two different things or three different things. It can mean to float over or it can mean to engulf in light. Praise God, to engulf in light. And in the context of a bright cloud and also the light of God and everything that we've already learned today, it would be more appropriate to translate this as engulfed. And there's another reason why it's more appropriate as well. And we'll read that here in a minute. But first, we're going to read this. Finish reading this verse. But you can go ahead and cross out where it says oval, overshadowed, and instead, right above that, engulfed. 
and I'm going to absolutely prove here in just a minute with a different Bible verse in Luke that it truly did engulf them rather than just floating over top of them. I will prove that from Scripture in a minute. But it says that a bright cloud engulfed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So the Father was in that cloud. This was not a dark cloud. This was a very bright cloud. It says it was a bright cloud. And when it says it was bright, baby, it was bright. Amen. Amen. You probably could have gotten a sunburn if you had been on there very long. Amen. Praise God. It was bright. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell down, face down to the ground, and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, get up, do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Mankind has risen from the dead. Amen. This was a vision. It says it was a vision. People think that just only means a visual. Don't, don't tell what you saw. But that would be a different word. This is truly a vision that they were having and sharing all in the vision. Amen? Moses and Elijah was not literally come back from the dead and standing in front of them. When this occurred, Moses and Elijah both were still in their graves. Moses and Elijah did not come down from heaven to appear in front of them, did not come up from hell, did not come up out of the grave, were not resurrected. No, none of this. It was only a prophetic vision of the future, a prophecy, a prophetic vision of the future is what they were seeing. Bible says that Elijah, all the days in his life is 365 years. If I remember right, 365 or 375 years. So he died. He died. He's not in heaven. Amen. That was Enoch. You think that was Enoch? Okay, so I've got the wrong guy. But nevertheless, all these people died. Everyone else. Bible says no man has ascended up to heaven except for the Son of Mankind that came down from there. Amen? But people don't believe that verse. They don't want to believe that verse because it contradicts traditional doctrine, and they would rather hold tight onto traditional false doctrine rather than allowing the Bible to teach them, to help them to grow in the truth. Very sad, very sad. But it was only a prophetic vision of the future. But now let's prove that they were really, truly engulfed. Let's go over to the book of Luke, chapter 9. 
on page 79. Verse 34. This is page 80 in my copy. It might be 79 or 80 or 81 in your copy, depending on when you got your AOB as we continue to add notes and make perfections in it, then the page number will occasionally change. But we're going to Luke chapter 9, verse 34. And it's talking about the same event, but Luke gives us a little bit of extra information. Luke says in verse 34, Luke 9, verse 34, while he was saying this, a cloud formed and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Right there, they entered the cloud. So the cloud did not just float over them. They actually were actually engulfed. So in this particular case, since we can prove that they entered into the cloud, that the cloud did come down onto the ground and engulfed them, then this particular word overshadowed should be translated as engulfed. So we can do the same here. We can cross that out, put in the word engulfed. They're being engulfed in light is what is occurring. It's not a cloud of uh, rain dark cloud is not a cloud that's going to cast a shadow on the ground because it's emitting a lot of light, a whole bunch of light. So it would not cast a shadow upon them. Let's look at Mark chapter 9. Verse 7. And this is the same thing, just cross out overshadowing and uh, engulfing, engulfing them, or engulfed them, either way. Now let's go back to Luke and go to Luke chapter 1, because we're going to talk about something else now. Luke 1. Oh, wait a minute, I'm skipping something. Before we go to Luke 1, don't want to forget this. You can actually put a bookmark in Luke 1 because we'll be coming right back. But let's go over to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40, and then we'll return back to Luke 1 later. Exodus 40. Starting in verse 34, page 127, Exodus 40, verse 34, and the cloud covered the tabernacle of witness, and the tabernacle was filled with the glory of Jesus. And Moses was not able to enter into the tabernacle of testimony 
because the cloud overshadowed it and the tabernacle was filled with the glory of Jesus. The presence of God at this particular moment at the tabernacle was extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. Presence of God. So powerful that Moses was not even able to enter the tent, the tabernacle of testimony. <clears throat> I don't think that the cloud just floated over the top of the building. No. This cloud was the presence of God. It would have been a bright cloud. It was the presence of God. You think of a typical cloud floating over the top of the tent would bring a shade and cooler air. But this was the presence of God. So it would have been a bright cloud. It would have been a cloud emitting light in this particular context of the presence of God being very powerful at that particular junction of time. So we should change overshadowed to engulfed because the presence of God was truly engulfing this entire building. Amen? Inside and out. This is not just floating over the top. No way. This was the presence of God filling the tabernacle, so it was being engulfed. Praise God. Now let's go back to Luke 1, verse 35. Page 68. Luke 1, verse 35. Different context uh, to a certain extent. Different event, rather. Different event. And you might as well start up here in verse 31. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord Theos will give him the throne of his forefather David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have not known, have not had sex with any man? And the angel answered and said to her, The holy breath will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child should be called the Son of the Earth, the Son of God. Amen. Do you really believe that the Most High only floated above Mary? Of course not. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Breath only floated above her in order to impregnate her. No. Because floating above her does not actually 
touch her. To impregnate her, it was the presence of the Most High engulfing her. Absolutely. Amen? So we mark out overshadow, and we write in there, engulf. Amen. Very clearly, logically, very logical. Amen. Now, with these corrections, let's correct a couple places over in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49. In the book of Prophets. Page 37 in the Prophet's volume, if you have the paperbacks. Isaiah 49. Let's just start in verse 1. Isaiah 49, verse 1, page 37. Listen to me, or listen to and obey me, you islands. Talking about the British Isles. British owls and the Greek owls and so forth, and attend you Gentiles as well. Both Israelites and Gentiles listen and obey. After a long time it shall come to pass, say of Jesus, from my mother's womb he has called my name. We just read that. Amen? And I did not plan it that way. I, I did not make that connection. I did not know but that's what it was going to say in verse 1, because I only plan to read only verse 2 without having read verse 1 in my sermon preparation. So this is the presence of God right here, right now, in front of you, affirming his own word. Because I did not read verse 1 as I prepared this sermon and did not realize how it would connect with what we had just read. That is God himself confirming this message, this sermon, and this ministry. Praise God. You just witnessed a miracle right there. Proof of God right there. You just witnessed it. Amen? And then it goes on in verse 2. He has made my mouth as a sharp sword, which we know Revelation 19 shows Jesus coming back with his mouth being a sharp sword. And he has hid me under the shadow of his hand. He has made me as a choice shaft, and he has hid me in his quiver. That word shadow. Now we're looking at the Alpha and Omega Bible. But what did the oldest manuscripts say in the Greek Septuagint? So I looked this up, and it's actually not the word for shadow, but rather it's actually a word for shelter. Just like you see in Psalm 91, just like you see in one, Psalm 121, it is not the Greek word for shadow, but rather it's the Greek word for shelter. So you can go ahead and cross out shadow, and right in there, right above it, you can write the word shelter, because that's what it said in the Greek Satyricians. So it's just a mistranslation of Sir Bench Lot, or 
uh, Sir Lancelot uh, Brinson. I need to drink more coffee on Saturday mornings. Sir Lancelot Brinson, in the late 1800s, I translated the Greek Septuagint. And as it says on the Alpha and Omega Bible website, that the Old Testament of the Alpha and Omega Bible translation is based primarily upon the Brenton translation of the late 1800s of how he translated recent religions into English. And for the majority of the time since the late 1800s, the Brenton translation has been the number one most read translation of the Greek Sotiligent. However, it is well acknowledged that he made a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. And so over these past seven or eight years now, maybe I guess it is definitely now eight years, eight years now that we have been going through that and making corrections to that translation of the Old Testament. And we've been making those corrections based not only upon the Greek Septuagint, but also upon a multitude of different manuscripts that come under different categories, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in recent days, especially within the, only the past week, we have been going through more of the Dead Sea Scrolls information to perfect the Alpha and Omega Bible even more. The problem, though, with the Dead Sea Scrolls is that that is a, actually a library. The Dead Sea Scrolls was actually a library, literally, a collection of many different manuscripts over the period of 300 years. They're not all from the same century. They're not all from the same original source. You've got uh, a multitude of different types of manuscripts, and some of them are more reliable than others. Whereas other manuscripts within the Dead Sea Scrolls are really trash and not reliable. Just because is it just because it is a Dead Sea Scroll doesn't make it necessarily more accurate. So you have to go through what type of manuscript is it, from what century did it come from, what language is it in, uh, how bad is it as far as it is, is it a very tiny fragment, is it a large book. You got to consider a lot of different variables. Nevertheless, we're using information that is recently available to mankind concerning of those manuscripts as they continue to find more manuscripts and continue to uh, learn uh, agent languages because 
people don't understand that the agent languages are actually very difficult to translate and there's actually not total agreement on how to translate them contrary to popular assumptions. Nevertheless, we continue to make the Alpha and Omega Bible more and more perfect, and it actually did use the word shelter in the Greek Septuagint. Now that we have made literally, over the past eight years, we have literally made uh, over a thousand changes to the Old Testament, well over a thousand or even two or three thousand. I don't know how many changes we've made, but definitely over a thousand changes. And some of it is just changing old English words that nobody uses anymore and that most people don't know what they mean and changing those to modern English, simple English for our modern day society that has lost a lot of our vocabulary and our society very honestly has been dumbed down and our brains have been uh, lowered in our ability to learn and understand and so forth. So we have to tame down the language, unfortunately. But not only have we done that, we have also made corrections to words that were not accurate in the Brenton translation. So we've done a lot of that as well. And some of it is based upon the Dead Sea Scrolls and other ones are based upon uh, other types, other categories of manuscripts of the Greek Septuagint and even uh, outside those categories. That's what we've considered a lot of different manuscripts. And we have considered uh, over 35 translations, really. Uh, we go through a whole list of translations a lot of times to see what other translations uh, say, how they translate a certain word or something certain term or phrase or verse, <clears throat> and we see why historically it has been translated as in different Bibles, we consider that as well. There's a lot that we consider. Let's go over now to chapter 51, Isaiah 51. <clears throat> Isaiah 51, verse 16. Isaiah 51, verse 16. I will put my words into your mouth and I will shelter you under the shadow of my hand, with which I have fixed the sky and founded the earth. And Jesus shall say to Zion, you are my people. Where it says shadow, you cross that out. But this time it's not the word shelter. We're not going to replace it with the word shelter. You see that the word shelter is already there and the Greek word for shelter and the Greek word where it currently says shadow are two different Greek words. So it's not shelter two times. In this case, it's an entirely different word. And this word where it says shadow, we're going to mark that out. And right above it, we're going to write the word canopy slash covering. 
canopy slash covering. Almost the same as shelter. It is a protection from the trials. Uh, it is protection from the rain. It's protection from the heat of the day. It is a canopy. It is a covering of my hand. It is not the word for shadow. In either case here, between these two words, it is not the word for shadow. We're making corrections to what Brinton uh, did wrong. With all the mistakes that Brinton did, even his translation was still more accurate than the majority of modern Bibles because his translation was based upon the Greek Septuagint by at least a large measure. But even with his mistakes, it was still a wonderful translation, a wonderful Bible being based mostly upon the Greek Septuagint. But now, we're able to translate it even more accurate. It started out really as a revision of Brenton. But now, with thousands of changes, every day, every week, every month, and every year, it becomes more and more distinct from Brenton and less and less and less and less of being a Brenton translation. Even though it started out as a Brenton translation, it has become less and less of a Brenton translation. After eight years of changes, a lot of the verses have been updated. But there's also a lot of verses in the Old Testament to still be updated or doesn't need updated. Now, one more thing we should consider, and that is that God did appear in the cloud to the Egyptians. He did lead the Israelites both by fire and cloud for 40 years through the wilderness. He led them by fire by night and a cloud by day. But did that cloud cast a shadow? Some people theorize out of their own human reasoning, that the shadow, I mean, that the cloud by day in the 40 years in the wilderness, that the cloud perhaps may have given them shade from the hot desert sun. But that's only a human reasoning. We don't have any Bible verse to indicate in any way, shape, or form that the cloud by day for 40 years actually gave them a shade. We don't have any indication of that at all. 
if you think about it, when they crossed the Red Sea, there was over a million people. Over a million people crossed the Red Sea. So if the cloud that was leading them for 40 years, if it was given a shade, it would have been the entire sky cloudy to cover a million people. Million, million and a half, two million, I believe some people theorize. It would have been a, uh, a cloudy day rather than one cloud in front. The Bible does not tell us in any way, shape, or form that it was a cloudy day for 40 years, that the cloud overshadowed them and covered the entire sky and gave them uh, shelter from the desert sun. It doesn't tell us that, and it's not logical. The description of the cloud that led them through the wilderness, through the desert, was a column, a pillar of a cloud. That's completely opposite of a cloud that is floating over you, that's casting a shadow or a shade upon the ground or upon the crowd. This is completely different. This cloud that led them by day was a column, a pillar. So it's going from the sky down to the earth in the shape of a pole basically, a column. This is not your normal cloud. This is not a cloud that's given a shade. This is an entirely, entirely different type of cloud. This particular cloud would have been only in front of the crowd, leading them through that's the description that the Bible gives. They were following it because it was in front of them like a general on a horse being in front. And right behind the cloud would have been Moses and Aaron. And then you would have the people with another leader ever so many feet, ever so many yards, another leader. So even when we think about the cloud that led them into the wilderness, through the wilderness, there's no indication that it cast a shadow. Even though it was darkness to the Egyptians, it doesn't really say anything about casting a shadow. And then the final verse, Revelation 22. The last chapter of what we know as the New Testament, Revelation 22, verse 5. 
and there will no longer be night. So they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun. We won't need the sun anymore because the Lord of the fields will illuminate them and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. God is light and he is shining very brightly, very brilliantly, and there is no shadow of darkness in him. Praise God. Now, as I go through the announcement, uh, we'll let Brother Gerald think about what he needs to share. And we also open up the chat room right here right now for the people that are reg registered with Mixler, M-I-X-L-R.com. If you're registered and signed in, then the chat room is available for you right now. If you have any questions or comments or testimonies, or if you have a song or a testimony or a dream or a vision to share, or, or if you would like to share something you read in the Bible this week or whatever, or something that the Lord laid on your heart, any of these things, the church is free to exercise uh, freedom of worship and freedom of participation. And I do encourage that as well. Announcement that on Monday, Monday will be the new moon, the first day of the fourth month. First day of the fourth biblical month, Monday, June the 19th. And therefore, we'll be having worship services that morning. At the same time of the morning, 10 minutes until 11 o'clock Eastern time zone, this is coming Monday morning, June 19th the first day of the fourth month. The Bible does talk about that on the first day of the month that we are to gather together for worship. And it does give us prophecies of after Jesus returns that we will continue to gather together on the first day of each biblical month. That's a prophecy of how God is going to reign in his kingdom, what we're going to have to obey in his kingdom, the way we're going to live life and worship in his kingdom, and there is no end of his kingdom. And this is if this is the way it was done in the Bible, and if this is the way it's going to be done when Jesus comes back, then it is also the way it should still be done today. Amen. Okay, you ready, Gerald? Got a few more verses from Isaiah. Isaiah, all right, let me get over to Isaiah. Thirty, verse twenty-six. Thirty, Isaiah thirty, verse twenty-six. In the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold in the day when Jesus shall heal the griefs of his people and shall heal the pain of your wounds. So right at the end of that verse, I'm going to write in cross-reference for Revelation 22, verse 5. 
Then I'm going to go back over here to Revelation 22, verse 5, and I'm going to write the cross-reference of Isaiah. Revelation 22, verse 5. And I'm going to write, at the end of that, I'm going to write Isaiah 30, verse 26. Praise God. So a person may ask, Revelation 22 says we won't need the sun. Uh, but yet, Isaiah 30, verse 26, indicates that there will be a sun and the moon still yet, but much brighter. So the way I could reconcile that is I could say that even though Revelation 22 says we have not need of those lights because God is going to be the light of paradise. But it doesn't say that those lights won't exist. It just says we have no need of it. Then Isaiah 30 says that those lights will be extremely much brighter, that the sun, rather than, let me slow down, it says that the moon will shine as bright as the sun, and the sun will be seven times more bright. But it's the brightness of God that's even brighter than that. And what is the source of the energy and the brightness of the sun? And where does the moon get its light? The moon reflects the light of the sun, right? The moon really has no light of its own. It doesn't emit light. Did you know that? The, the moon does not have any light of its own. The light that you see on the moon is not its own light, but rather it's the light of the sun reflecting on it. So what is the source of the light of the sun? And the people would say atoms and fire and hydrogen, and they would say all this stuff. But isn't the truth that the source of all energy and all heat and all power is God himself, and that God did create the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets and the solar systems and the galaxy and the entire universe and the mountains and the ocean and the seas and the rivers and the birds and the hippos and the grass. And the, amen? God created it all. So I believe that the sun and the moon will still exist, but that God will have his manifestation being revealed and no longer held back 
to where the source, which is God himself, is emitting his power into the sun. And that God is the source of that power. And that both can coexist, that God can coexist with the sun and the moon and yet start and, and, and still yet be the source of all life. What else? Anything else? I saw this verse in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. Okay. Verse 9. Verse 9. Say unto them that are in bonds, go forth, and bid them that are in darkness show themselves, that they should be fed in all the ways, and in all the paths shall be their pasture. And they shall not hunger, neither shall they thirst, neither shall they heat, nor the sun smite them. But he that has mercy on them shall comfort them. And by fountains of waters shall he lead them. Amen. So even though we're going to have a very brilliant light, we're not going to be sunburned by the brightness of the sun being seven times brighter than what it is today. Let the power of God emitting his strength into the sun. Amen. We're not going to suffer sunburns from the brightness of God. Anything else? The truth in Jesus is the exact opposite of the pagan doctrine of yin yang, the light and the darkness, the darkness and the light, that trash. Okay, we're going to let you go, and I'll see you Monday. God is good again, and I'm so happy to... Uh, see these things God is showing us about his presence and God is good see you Monday please be praying for the worship services and for the broadcast of computer technical difficulties the spiritual warfare pray for one another uh, more than ever before, pray for one another. Thank you for your long suffering with me today. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please confirm that you would like to end this meeting by pressing star zero. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.